Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It is Sunday, Easter. I have risen. Wow, sorry I started things this way. Uh, it is Allison, your host of Light Trees and News here in New York City. Thank you to everyone who has written, um, you know, some some words of um of condolences of just checking in to see how things are going here in New York spoiler not great not as bad as it was but certainly not good hello uh we're gonna we're gonna talk about some pop culture we're gonna talk about bad news but don't worry we're gonna end things with good news everything will be okay thank you to everyone who sent in or tweeted their photos of like their mask fashionista moments. I loved every single one of them. You all look great. It's great to see your little faces. If you hear any kind of hysteria behind me as a background noise, it's because there are four cats in this apartment and sometimes they hate each other. Sometimes they like each other. Today they hate each other. So um, no one's being murdered. That's just... um cat tribal behavior, I guess, is what we'll call it. So now that we are in the pop culture section, this is how Light Trees and News works. We open things by just shooting the shit. And by the way, that is a, a two-way conversation. If you're a Patreon supporter of mine, if you follow me or the show on Twitter, hashtag Light Trees and Pod, what the H are you watching? Uh, L. Knight Rider tweeted me, and was like, hey, bitch. They, they didn't say that. Um, please don't say that unless you know me personally in my real life. Then you can be like, hey, bitch. I mean, some of you can get away with that. Others can't. And I'm not going to tell you guys who can get away with it and who can't. Because I like to keep things spicy. Maybe you can call me that. Maybe you can't. Maybe you're about to make the biggest mistake of your life. Who knows? L. Knight Rider writes in, hey, bitch. Have you listened to the Oh Hello podcast? Oh boy, let me tell you something. If you don't know what Oh Hello is, you're dead to me. I'm kidding. Uh, so El Oh Hello was this <laughs> character sketch, let's call it, by John Mulaney and Nick Kroll that was huge here in New York City. I'm sure it was huge everywhere, but like, I don't have my finger on the pulse of, let's say, Iowa, right? But I'm sure you've heard of Oh Hello, too. So Oh Hello, a very funny sketch where John Mulaney and Nick Kroll played two uh, older New Yorkers of a, of a certain culture here in the city. Um, I guess, like, we could call them, like, Upper East Siders. Very, like, weird, older New York gentlemen. Anyway... Uh, they now have a podcast and the really cool thing about the podcast is there's no ads because all of the money that they're raising through the podcast goes to charities for COVID-19. So it's like a good cause. It's very, very funny. I don't think it's a spoiler to give this away. I don't think it's a spoiler because they like set it up in the first episode. They are obsessed with the death of Princess Diana, <laughs> which happened how many years ago? But anyway, it's shot or it's recorded like an NPR-style true crime series where they're trying to get to the bottom of who killed Princess Di. Is it the Queen? Is it other shadowy forces? I think that's the premise of the entire podcast, although it would be very funny if they also just drop that randomly and move into other stuff. But right now it's shot like, um, yeah, like a, a what's her name? A Sarah Koenig sort of investigation. Very funny. Do check it out. Highly recommended. The Oh Hello podcast. I'm sorry I said that wrong. Oh Hello podcast. There you go. Uh, also, I threatened you all last week by saying that I am watching The Sopranos now. And I don't know if you guys thought you were going to get off the hook and I was not going to talk about it because, again, that show is 20 years old. You're 100% wrong. I'm absolutely going to talk about it. Here I go. I am enjoying The Sopranos. However, there are moments where 
I could sort of, and maybe this is me just projecting on the writers, the creators of the show. I know they are showing certain things disapprovingly. Like when Tony Soprano's being a racist, sexist piece of shit. I at no point think they're doing it with sort of like a nod of approval. But it's one of those things, once you like throw your art out into the culture, you have no control over how people interpret it, whether they like the parts they're supposed to like, whether they are disapproving of the parts that they're supposed to be disapproving of. And like, there's been a couple moments where I've just sort of been like, oh, I bet people are watching this like, yeah, he's right about black people and not picking up on <laughs> the subtle sort of, man, this guy's antiquated and he's living in a modern world sort of uh, critique of mafioso culture. Um, but, you know, you, you can't control how people interpret your art. That's not a That's not a dig against the show's creators or anything like that. Man, the pacing of that show is Italian chef kiss good. Uh, it's great. Uh, everybody has been right. Everybody who's been telling me throughout the years, you got to watch The Sopranos. It's it's some classic, a classic example of great storytelling. And I'm like, shut up. I'm not interested. I don't like mafia movies or anything like that. Um, it's great. You're right. My bad. Uh, I am on season four and I think there are six seasons I am going to continue giving you these vague updates even though no one wants them because it's my show that's how it works sorry everybody oh I should explain also <laughs> the reason uh once again I don't have a guest host is I have lost um control of uh time time has no meaning anymore Suddenly it was Sunday and I hadn't booked a guest host and I was like, oh my God. Also, I woke up at like 11, which is very late for me. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess I'm I'm riding solo again, but I promise I will try to get on my shit. Guys, it's a weird time. We're in quarantine. Is society falling apart? Maybe. You know? Is it the beginning of the end? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. We're not making predictions on this show, but it feels... It feels minor to have not booked a guest host, is what I'm saying. If you're upset, there are bigger fish to fry, right? Calm down. Guys, I have a hot take. And before I go into the hot take, I need to stress again, this is a safe space. I'm allowed to have my opinions. You are allowed to have your opinions. Please don't come for me or cancel me on Twitter, okay? I need to talk about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I saw, which I recognize as like a heterosexual woman is not for me. I am a tourist, okay? I'm a tourist watching this film. So please take everything I'm about to say with, you know, with a healthy dose of skepticism. You're absolutely right. Who am I? Is it a beautiful film? Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, is... Adele's performance, Adele Hanel's performance, magical. Yes. Oh, my God. She is amazing in this. What a face. Anytime she's on screen, I'm like, Adele is killing it. And then I think this is her film. I don't think I'm out of bounds by saying if Adele Hanel was not playing this role, was not on screen, it would not be as a, an effective of a film. Here's my hot take, though. Uh, it's a beautiful film. The ending completely destroyed me. It's effective, right? There's a part of the film that I haven't really seen people talking about, and maybe I'm wrong, okay? Maybe there's been some, like, deep think pieces about this, so send them my way if I missed it, okay? There's a part in the film, and this is a spoiler, so if you haven't seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire yet, skip ahead to the music cue, because I'm about to spoil something pretty big. There's a moment in the film <laughs> where the two lead ladies find out that the maid is with child and she wants to get an abortion. So they take her to a, I guess like a, she's a medicine woman or like a midwife, something like that, who knows how to give abortions. And the cool thing about this movie is, like, there are no men in this movie. There's one man who shows up very briefly who's, like, a messenger. And then I don't think he speaks. <laughs> so I was 
into that. Um, but they take this maid to this woman who gives abortions, abortion provider, and she gets an abortion. And, you know, the maid is going through a lot of intense emotions while sh- the abortion is being performed. She's crying. There's a baby on the bed who, like, she's looking at as she's getting an abortion. It's a really, like, intense moment. And then later on, the woman who is a painter, um, I guess I should get character names since I sound like your mother trying to recap the film. And then the lady said to the other lady, guys, you know, you have quite an attitude, for an audience listening to a free podcast. Can you say the woman's name, Allison? Okay, hold on. I'm pulling up the cast list. So Marianne, Marianne, Marianne? Was her name Marianne the whole time? Wow. Uh, So Marianne has been hired by this estate to paint Heloise's portrait. Heloise is uh, Adele's character. And so... Marianne suddenly decides, I think it, I think she, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Heloise decided that she wanted to recreate the maid Sophie's abortion in portrait. And at no point do they, like, ask Sophie, who, again, very, like, traumatic thing she's just gone through, not presented in a way where it's, like, abortion is bad, but just, like, abortion is complicated, right? Like, women can experience, or people who get abortions can experience, like, the array of emotions, right? Because they're human beings. So, like, randomly decides, Heloise decides, oh, we should get this on canvas, because this is, like, women's rights, This is like feminism and like we should do a painting and Marianne, because she really wants that pussy, is like, absolutely, let's do this portrait. Okay, so they're doing the portrait of poor Sophie. Nobody asks Sophie if she's okay with this. Sophie, who was laying on the bed crying, like, hey, Soph, um, you know, like women's rights. So can we like real quick, we know you just like went through something and your body is probably like pretty sore right now can you get on the floor spread those legs because like women's rights can we can we do that real quick like nobody checks in with Sophie she's like not a person she's just like a prop for these two I mean Heloise is rich Marianne you know she's a painter she's an artist so she's not rich but like relatively speaking two pretty privileged women like can we just randomly use you as a prop because we think this is an important moment? I don't know. It just, it creeped me out so much. I haven't really seen anybody talking about it. Did anyone else see this movie? Did anyone else have that reaction? I don't know. Like, and and I don't even think like they were trying to make a point about class disparity or anything because there's never a moment where Sophie confronts the two women like, hey, that was really fucked up, you guys. I, like, got an abortion and I was feeling pretty vulnerable and you just told me to, like, get on the floor and recreate my abortion. That sucked. Please don't do that. So, I don't know. Again, it's a beautiful film, beautifully acted, all the stuff you've been hearing about. Um, But, yeah, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that is all I have to say. Um, I have some other film recommendations because I finally got through that Vulture top 100 horror films on Netflix list. I I got through that list. It's done. We won't be revisiting it again. But uh, some last minute recommendations from it. Sweetheart is another film on Netflix. Uh, It's basically Castaway with a monster. Uh, Very, very fun movie um is fun a right word i think so but my definition of fun might be different than your definition of fun whatever um it apparently wasn't released or it didn't have a a wide release which is too bad because it i feel like it has a lot of um mass appeal um kiersey clemens is the star uh, and she's phenomenal. You might know her from Dope, 
um, I think is one of the biggest things she's done. It's basically just her, the whole movie. She gives a really impressive performance, both like emotionally and physically. Makes me think she should be a leading actress. She's really captivating to watch, and it's very hard to just have one actor on screen for the majority of a film, like the way she is. And uh, she's great. She carries it. It doesn't feel like it's lagging or anything like that. So highly recommended. Another movie that I rewatched, even though I told myself going through this list, I was like, I don't want to rewatch anything because I want to use my time efficiently, even though time has no meaning anymore. But I don't want to rewatch stuff. I made an exception for this next film because I remembered loving it so much, but I had forgotten so much of it that I was like, you know what? Let's rewatch it. Tucker and Dale versus Evil is a good fucking time. I would almost even recommend waiting to watch it until you can be with your friends again because it's a real fun movie to watch with a bunch of people. It's a send-up of this classic trope of a bunch of dumb college students going into a rural area and meeting a bunch of uh, the... the indigenous population if you will the locals and sort of sending up the the stereotypes of like rednecks you know uh deliverance those type of uh, assumptions people make about uh you know poor rural citizens and um yeah i this is not a spoiler but like tucker and dale are are two rednecks if you will and they're just like two nice guys and these a bunch of dumb white city college students type or typecast them stereotype them and assume a bunch of shit about them that's not true and stuff happens that's all i'll say watch it it's so fucking funny like any comedy uh, just a general heads up. I'm sure there are jokes that uh, have not aged well and I can't give my like blanket stamp of approval that there's not stuff in there that, you know, is uh, is not woke. But overall, it's it's smart. It's funny. Check it out. So two other films, both starting with the word under. So Under the Shadow is an Iranian film. Um, that takes place during the Iran-Iraq war and is also a monster movie of sorts or like a ghost story, I guess. And that's really interesting because usually ghost stories take place against a canvas of otherwise... um, Serenity? So like in the suburbs or something. Like our house is haunted in our otherwise like sleepy uneventful town. This is interesting because it's against the backdrop of a war. So you don't really have a moment of rest. <laughs> like there's either a fucking ghost there or like bombs are going off and the two might be related in a way that I won't give away, but do check it out. It's beautifully shot. Um, really interesting because usually, you know, when we're watching horror movies or we're watching ghost movies, we're watching a bunch of white people run around and make bad decisions. In this case, uh, it's Iranians and it's in Iran and you might even like learn something about history, which is cool. Uh, and then finally, Under the Skin, um, starring Scarlett Johansson, our favorite problematic queen. Uh, I had heard a lot about Under the Skin. I had heard it was a very weird movie, very mixed uh, responses to it. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautifully shot. I think it's so weird. I had never read the book that it's based on. Um, Not usually into science fiction. That's usually not my thing. Of course, there are exceptions. But it is a, a gorgeous film. ScarJo gives a good performance. It's very weird. But if very weird is your thing, check it out. I highly recommend it. And boom, we're done with the Vulture Top 100 or whatever, Top 50. I think it was Top 50 horror films on Netflix. I won't revisit. Don't worry. 
It's behind us. If you are into horror and you've been going through the list, let me know what you think. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. And, or if you have any other horror movie recommendations that I should check out, because I do love me some horror. I'm not completely setting that aside for the quarantine. Or if you're watching anything that you're enjoying, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Let's trade recommendations because you know your girl's got some time. Uh, but mainly Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Guys, what did you think? Because now I'm very curious. And again, safe space. All opinions are valid. If you disagree with me about that scene, like, whoa, Allison, that's not what that was at all. Hit me up. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. On that note, guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. All right, obviously the main bad news story is always uh, climate change and COVID-19. I think if you can always just have uh, a, a general headline in your head for the bad news, of course that's the bad news. But every week I don't want to be talking about the same thing where I'm just like, here's another COVID-19 conversation, even though we're going to get to that, obviously. But I thought we would open something uh, a little different for the bad news section. Bernie Sanders has dropped out of the 2020 race. Uh, you know, the candidate with the most ambitious climate plan has dropped out. So that is the main bad news story. Sad, not surprising. Uh, many of us predicted this would happen. Um, and it sucks, obviously. I'm a Bernie Sanders fan, as I'm sure you are. Would have love to have voted for him. We in New York City didn't even have a chance to vote for anybody because of a fucking pandemic. So what is democracy really? Isn't that just when a bunch of uh, rich white people get together in a room and decide who the president is? Isn't that democracy? I don't know. Uh, so that obviously is the main bad news. But I wanted to really talk about Joe Biden the general lack of enthusiasm for Joe Biden, and more specifically, Tara Reid's allegations against him. Tara Reid is a former Joe Biden staffer who has accused Joe Biden of sexually assaulting her in 1993. Um, Democracy Now! had an exclusive interview with her that I'll link to in the, uh, the summary of this episode. I wanted to talk about Tara Reid. I wanted to talk about Joe Biden. And I want to talk about the New York Times coverage of this. They are uh, getting a lot of heat today because there was a, a tweet that I believe did they send out today, April 12th, at, at 5.30 a.m. <laughs> Bright and early. Somebody rushed to Twitter and was like, I got a tweet. And they tweeted... No other allegation about sexual assault surfaced in the course of our reporting, nor did any former Biden staff corroborate Reed's allegation. We found no pattern of sexual misconduct by Biden beyond hugs, kisses, and touching that women previously said made them uncomfortable. Okay, let's just pause there. Hey, the New York Times hugging kissing and touching women without consent in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable is a fucking pattern of sexual misconduct you useless sack of shits what the fuck do you think a pattern is how many women have come forward and said hey he's constantly touching us without consent is it really that hard to believe that he would go further with some women oh and by the way that those other women would feel intimidated to stay silent because this guy is running for fucking president of the united states like how many times have we been here before where it takes a hundred women coming forward before people fucking finally believe what they're saying is it really hard to believe that Joe Biden, who has been confronted time and time again about his behavior where he touches women without consent and he laughs about it and he makes jokes about it time and time again, is it really so hard to believe that that guy would also sexually assault somebody when he's alone with them? 
Really? So obviously, like the New York Times, and they're not alone in this, presenting Tara Reid as being like this lone voice. Like she, it can't be true. This is what they're sort of suggesting. It can't be true because she's the only one who has accused him. Which, again, how many times have we been here before? This is what happened with Bill Clinton's accusers as well. Oh, it's just her. Oh, I, it's just the two of them. Oh, it's just the three of them. They just want money. Like, until it is 80, 90, 100 women with Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby, then it's like, oh, maybe this is true. <laughs> it takes 100 women to come forward before anyone fucking believes them. And by the way, I wish I could just say it's like the New York Times and conservatives saying this. It's a lot of liberals because it happens to be one of, quote unquote, our guys. It's a guy who is running against Donald Trump, maybe one of the most hated figures of all time. So we have to rally the troops behind this guy, even though he's been accused of, of sexual assault and has done stuff publicly that we've all seen, touch, touching women in ways that made them uncomfortable, um, playing with their hair, touching their shoulders, like invading people's spaces over and over and over again. We've seen him do it. It's on camera. But he's our guy, so we have to set that all aside because we need to get him elected now. Like, it's, it's very convenient for people, you know? People, and we see this in our everyday lives too, right? Like, people believe victims until their friend is accused. And then it's like, but he's a good guy. And it's like, right, well, your friend's also a rapist. <laughs> so, sorry if that ruins your day, but you either believe women or you don't believe women. You don't get to, like, pick and choose the moments. So... Yeah, obviously, um, a lot of people are very angry at the New York Times today, and for good reason, because fuck you guys. Fuck you. <sighs> so, also in bad news, um, the U.S., I told you we would get to COVID-19. Here we are. We've arrived. The U.S. has overtaken Italy with the largest number of coronavirus deaths. According to John Hopkins data, the U.S. has set a grim new global record of 20,000 dead. Uh, and we're going to get to this in the good news section. But thankfully, as, as bad as this is, as dire as it is, and like here in New York City, it's just unreal. Like uh, the number of people who have died. I've said this before on the show, but... It's just constant sirens here because there are so many ambulances. I mean, they, they've opened up a lot of our public parks as, as hospitals because the, the regular hospitals are completely um, full. You know, there are mass graves of, of the people who haven't been claimed by loved ones. It's really as bad as it can get, right? But... Thankfully, because the city was shut down so fast and other parts of the country were shut down so fast, it seems like a lot of the, the death toll models have been revised to uh, result in, in lower casualty figures, which is good, right? That, that means it's working. What we're doing is working. Everybody's staying home. Everybody's self-quarantining is having a positive effect. My concern is that because the 150,000 dead number that they threw out there a few weeks ago might not be the case anymore, that people will be like, see, the federal government overreacted. Let's all get together in the park and cough into each other's mouths again and get back to normal, right? That's what you guys do at parties, right? You cough into each other's mouths? I don't know. That's how we roll. So, and that, like, this was liberal hysteria, blah, 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 blah. That's what's so shitty about a situation like this. Even if the good outcome, which is the, the medical procedures that you've put in place, ultimately save hundreds of thousands of lives, then the conservatives turn around and they're like, see, it wasn't even that bad. We told you it was just the flu. And then next time, or say everybody does go back to work and it starts spreading again, because remember, COVID-19 is not going to go away. It's just dormant for a little bit. When we have a second wave of this, it's going to be way harder to corral everybody and be like, stay home. Because they'll be like, but it wasn't even that bad. Even though, again, my God, 20,000 people. It's horrible. But it's not as bad as 150,000 people. 
So even if you win, you lose, is what I'm saying. My God. Um, but this was a, a, a significant moment in the COVID-19 story, the U.S. surpassing Italy. And again, let's remember, the reason things spun out like this the reason it got so bad so fast is the Trump administration ignored early warnings that went back to like January. They knew about this for many months before it really, really popped off here in New York City and then gave us a fucking attitude about sending breathing machines. So I blame every single death here in New York City on the Trump administration. Because if they knew about it, and then it happened, and then they refused to send us breathing machines and let people die. Who do you blame? You blame the Trump administration. So, also, I wanted to talk about the U.S. Postal Service. There's a really, really good thread that maybe I'll read a little bit of. I don't want to read it in its entirety because you guys can just go read it on your own. But I wanted to shout out the person who tweeted the whole thing. Um, so <laughs> I love their Twitter handle. Uh, Lil Dipshit3. My God, I love Twitter. I love Twitter so much. Lil Dipshit3 is a, a postal worker and tweeted a, a very like passionate thread about why the Postal Service is really amazing, why it's so valuable, why we should be fighting to protect it and keep it well-funded, and why it's, and I think this is the most important part, why it's different than like FedEx or UPS. And the part that I didn't know about that I think is really significant and, and I, I hope people keep in mind is that sometimes UPS and FedEx can't even finish their route or refuses to finish their route, say if they're trying to get to a person who's like in a really rural location or maybe they can't read the address or they're unfamiliar with the area and they don't know who the hell they're supposed to be delivering it to because they don't know the locals. Guess what they do? They drop it off at the United States Postal Service and the USPS finishes their fucking route. I didn't know that ever happens. And maybe, listen, I'm naive, right? And I don't know how the system works. I just figured it's always FedEx, it's always UPS that has to finish the route. No, they don't. They also rely on the United States Postal Service because those workers are local. They know their fucking routes. They know the people in their community and they're like, oh, you're trying to reach so-and-so. Yeah, I know where they live. I'll drop it off. If, that, if they were not there, you would not get your package. Isn't that crazy? Anyway. <laughs> so the whole thread is fascinating. It's really good. I'll link to it in the episode recap. Back when I was a journalist, this was one of my beats, uh, ba basically the, the Save the Post Office beat, where I interviewed a lot of people who are familiar with the USPS, who work for the USPS, and how the federal government has been gutting their budget um, for a while now, and how that results in diminished services, which sort of starts this downward spiral where the the service gets worse so people support the government cutting their budget even further and of course that only results in in worse and worse service however having said that the united states postal service is still kicking ass like still provides the best service for like 50 cents guys for 50 cents you can send a letter anywhere in the country that's amazing in 2020 that you can still do that and it's a service that's egalitarian. Anybody gets the same type of service from the United States Postal Service. You can say that about almost no other institution in this country. They don't discriminate based on where you live or anything like that. You will get your fucking mail. That is a really valuable service that we need to fight to protect because now Republicans more than ever want to get rid of it because they can't price gouge people like they want to. They would love to charge for tiered service, you know, <clears throat> but um, they also really want those mailing lists because the United States Postal Service has a lot of really valuable, sensitive information that, oh, my God, if they could privatize it, they would make billions of dollars. So, of course, they want to privatize the United States Postal Service. The reason I'm bringing this all up now is because the USPS is more important than ever as we consider 
a national election where we might have mail-in ballots because it is now a public health risk to have thousands of people lined up to vote. How are we going to do this in November? Is there even going to be an election in November? Who knows? Will we have a mail-in election? Trump has said no. And not only has he said no, the White House just rejected a bailout for the U.S. Postal Service. Trump threatened to veto the $2.2 trillion Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act, if the legislation contained any money directed to bail out the Postal Agency. Uh, instead, Senators Gary Peters, a Democrat from Michigan, Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, added a last-minute $10 billion Treasury Department loan to the CARES Act to keep the agency on firmer ground through the spring of 2020. So really like a patchwork fix. Um, and let's try to consider why the Trump administration would not want the United States Postal Service fully funded come November. Okay, well, if we do have to switch to mail-in ballots, it'd be really, really hard for an underfunded United States Postal Service that's been devastated by the coronavirus to get out those, uh, those ballots, especially to poorer communities. And guess who lives in poorer communities? A lot of poor black people who are going to vote Democrat. It'd be really hard to service those communities, which benefits the Trump administration. So I can easily imagine the Trump administration being like, well, fuck them. That's going to make it harder for us to win in November. Let's just gut their budget even more. But anybody who's not like a rich white person should be defending the USPS until they are breathless. Because that's really... As, uh, an institution that works for us. And by the way, it's not taxpayer funded. They pay for themselves with, with charging postage. So it's this great institution that, by the way, is protected by the Constitution. The USPS is in the Constitution. So if you are one of those people out there constantly saying, but the Constitution says, hey, the Constitution says that we have a United States <laughs> Postal Service. That, that's part of what it says. You should also be defending this great institution. Uh, and it's not antiquated. That's the thing. It's still this great thing that is, you know, like all things considered, very efficient, cheap, egalitarian. It's dope. So defend it, <laughs> especially when November rolls around because Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? Um, guys... Oh, actually, mm, did I want to talk about this? Mm, yeah, Joe Biden's advocating a, a virtual DNC, which, oh, God, guys, this is going to be a shit show. I mean, it's always a shit show, but it's really going to be a shit show. Yeah, if you needed more evidence of that, Wisconsin voters recently lined up to cast their ballots, and it was a fucking depressing sight. A lot of people were wearing masks. Um... A lot of people, you know, were hoping for a postponed primary, um, which was de denied by the U.S. Supreme Court in one of our favorite 5-4 rulings. Um, and it was a shit show. You know, they're, they're still finding, like, bins of uncounted ballots randomly it like fully is a shit show it was really sad to see people lined up for so long in wisconsin like elderly people in masks when they should be home like this is not a third world country or maybe we're on our way to being a third world country who knows um but it was really deeply sad and that always really makes me sad and i never think it's a, a happy story when they'll show like some poor 79-year-old and they're like, he stood in line for five hours and people are like, yes, king, democracy, good for you. And it's like, no, that's really depressing. Nobody should have to stand in line that long to vote. Voting should not be this cumbersome act that like only people who can withstand standing in line for eight hours can accomplish. That should not be the case. That's not a happy story. That's, that's criminal. Um, 
But guys, on that note, that's enough of the bad. Let's end things on a happy note. Here is your good news. What if for the entire good news section, I just sang Imagine? Would, would everybody be mad? Would you have turned it off? I would have supported you if you had turned it off. Imagine all the people living in their mansions. You are so poor. I'll stop. Um, guys. Believe it or not, your girl found some good news. So there are actually a ton of good news stories about COVID-19, um, which is, thank we're, we're thankful. We're thankful for any good news, right? Uh, the number of novel coronavirus deaths in Spain dropped for the fourth consecutive day in a row. And this article is a, a couple days old, I think. Um, which has inspired hope that the nation is now past the peak of their outbreak. Uh, Italy, which has been one of the hardest hit countries in Europe, has now recorded three straight days of decline in new cases. Um, on the U.S. front, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo says the number of deaths statewide fell for the first time and remained stable for two days, uh, raising hopes for a flattened curve. Of course, caveat, caveat, caveat to all of this. This does not mean anybody should go outside or think it's over. We've seen in other countries a quote-unquote flattened curve before there was another spike. So let's all be ultra, ultra cautious and vigilant. Uh, furthermore, Cuomo added that 75% of hospitalized COVID-19 patients in the state have been discharged. Um, the number of collective new cases and deaths in the U.S. has actually fallen since April 3rd, which affirms evidence that social restrictions have been effective. And yeah, this is all great. It's working, guys, it's working. If you're at home right now and you're starting to crawl out of your skin and you're like, is this even worth it? Yes, you're, you're actively saving lives. If you stayed home, you're a hero, you're, you're part of this, this force which is flattening the curve. So every medical health expert that I've spoken to that I'm like, how can we help? They've all said the same thing. They're like, just stay home. You are helping by staying home. Uh, also, shame your parents. <laughs> you know, listen, a lot of the boomers and older Gen X people don't um, get it. And they're like, it's just a flu. You have enormous leverage over them. Shame them until they stay home. So also in good news. And again, listen, the best news is if they, they just canceled everybody's debt in this country. But if we can't get that, this is also good news. The federal government is suspending student loan payments and waiving the interest on those loans for a total of six months in order to ease the burden of debtors uh, during the COVID-19 outbreak. Would it be better to abolish the debt entirely? Of course. But this is also good news for, for people who have student loan payments. It's temporary relief. Um, as someone who is uh, one of the people waiting on their stimulus check, every little bit helps, right? So this is also good news. Um, and then maybe most importantly, guys, and I don't want you to get too excited because, well, nobody should be driving, right? If you're driving, where are you going? I hope you're doing like curbside pickup and you're not interacting with anyone, and I hope you're wearing your little mask. Um, I don't want anybody to get too excited. So if you are driving, maybe pull over. After 13 years of social distancing on their own, nobody told them to do this, giant pandas finally fucked. Two giant pandas specifically, Lili and Yingying, have been roommates at the Ocean Park Zoo in Hong Kong since 2007 they finally because I guess the zoo was quiet because nobody was there maybe it was the right time for romance you know things got quiet 
they could focus on their bodies and their relationship. Maybe they talked it out. They fucked. Is everybody excited? I'm excited. Guys, they fucked. It's, I'm happy for them. You know, I think there's a lot of, people have been talking about like quarantine babies. Listen, listen, I've talked to some couples who are in quarantine. This is not a sexy time for anyone. This is a time of fear, anxiety. No one has been like, we're fucking like crazy. So, I mean, this is huge, truly, Lian Yingying. Here's a quote from Ocean Park director Zoological Operations, Michael Boos. Since Yingying and Lili's arrival in Hong Kong in 2007 and attempts at natural mating since 2010, they unfortunately have yet to succeed until this year. Upon years of trial and learning, the successful natural mating process today is extremely exciting for us all, as the chance of pregnancy via natural mating is higher than by artificial insemination. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that the chance of pregnancy is higher wouldn't it seem, wouldn't you think that artificial insemination has higher? Wow. Nature's wild. So yeah, they fucked. Isn't that great? I'm proud of them because, you know, it is a stressful time, but I guess for the pandas, you know, like that's another thing. Can you imagine if you could only fuck if 300 tourists were like looking at you and taking your picture and kids are like screaming And they were like, why aren't they mating? And it's like, because this is so stressful. And finally, those tourists all fucked off. And they got horny. Doesn't that just tell us that we should never allow the tourists around them? Like, if you want them to fuck, like, make a romantic dinner for them. Like, put a bunch of, what do they eat? Bamboo? Whatever. Throw a bunch of shit out there for them. Light a candle. Have somebody play the violin out of sight and they'll fuck guys i'm very happy that they fucked listen i haven't watched snl's uh remote broadcast i'm going to and we'll talk about that probably next week sorry it's gonna be a little late i know you are all really hoping for an snl review you weren't uh but I'm receiving texts about it right now, so it made me think that um, we should have talked about it, but guess what? Your girl woke up at 11. Sometimes that happens, okay? Sometimes you wake up at 5, and then you're on your phone too long, and then you fall asleep until 11, and that's just what happens, okay? Um, so if you have any recommendations, if you have any stories that you're really, really hoping, we'll discuss do send them to me on Twitter, hashtag LightTreesAndPod. Listen, you can roll the dice and email them to me. I probably won't see them for months. Uh, or you can send them to me on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Don't send them to me on Facebook. I won't see them there either. Facebook is over. It's dead. Send them to me on Twitter or Instagram. And uh, yeah, I'm going to call this episode a little early because my voice is giving out. It is a different beast hosting this show on my own. Like, I like it, but, man, I don't get a break to stop talking for almost an hour. And that's a lot, you guys. Some might say too much. Uh, As always, thank you for your ongoing support during these crazy times. Oh, boy, it is so appreciated. If you're a fan of the show, go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button, or you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Kilkenny. For as little as $5 a month over there, you get to send questions, comments, recommendations, concerns, all of it, all of it at my Patreon. Uh, If you have absolutely no other way to reach me, lighttreasonnews at gmail.com. That exists. It does exist. I can't guarantee you when I'll look at it, but it exists. And guys, thank you as always so much for listening. I hope you're doing well in quarantine. Uh, listen, I think mostly everybody who listens to this podcast is probably an introvert. (laughs) So you're probably thriving. Uh, you will inherit the earth. Uh, it's Easter and the introverts have risen. If you're an extrovert and you're actually, uh, like this sucks very much for me, it's not forever. 
this too shall pass. Uh, hang in there. We're all here for each other, right? Uh, light treason pod. Hashtag it. Be like, hey guys, send me cute animal photos or whatever you need. And w- we got you. We got your back. Guys, have a wonderful rest of your quarantine. And uh, yeah, I guess also send any, how are you coping? How are you coping during quarantine? Let us know. Um, that's fun, right? As fun as as fun can be right now. Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Thank you for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>